First to one of the lesser discussed impacts of the Ukraine war, the dramatic uprooting of maybe four million women and children fleeing across the Ukrainian border in the hope of seeking a safe shelter, many fleeing to Poland. In fact, in the early days of the conflict, more than 140,000 women and children were crossing the border each day. And while most have been met by welcoming families, government organisations or NGOs, not all have landed safely. The United Nations, which is working with the Polish, has said there is a protection crisis of vast proportions, I'm quoting them, and that the threat of trafficking, kidnapping and sexual violence is very high, of particular concern as women and children are generally not accompanied by men who have remained to fight in Ukraine. In fact, they're mandated to do so. To talk us through the key issues, I'm pleased to welcome now Suzanne Hoff, who's International Coordinator of La Strada International. It's a European NGO platform against human trafficking. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting. This enormous movement of people, four million women and children have fled. Where Are they all going to Poland? No, they're not all going to Poland, although the majority is going to Poland. But they also go to neighbouring countries like Romania, Moldova. You also see that they now move further away, especially after the first two weeks. They move also to other countries, including to the Netherlands, Germany and other countries, Slovakia, Czech Republic. But also many are going to Russia, whether or not forcibly, uh, and also to Belarus. Going to Russia, you, what? Well, they wouldn't be going of their own volition, would they? Of course, it depends. I mean, in Ukraine, there were also a lot of people living with the nationality, a Russian nationality, and of course, Russia claims also to to free those people. So some of them might voluntarily leave for Russia because they have family there or because they are happy with the invasion. But of course, other people might also be forcibly returned because. Uh, Russia was saying this is a humanitarian corridor, so they sometimes left only this option there, especially for the people in the occupied territory. There are no men there, that, that's the point. I mean, they've all stayed, well, they've been forced to stay behind, haven't they? Yeah, men until 60 years of age were not allowed by the Ukrainian authorities to leave, so it's not a decision by the other countries not to let them in, but they're not allowed to leave. And how are these women and children being housed? Many more are housed by by governmental shelters, by governmental facilities. In the beginning, the first days of the wars, you saw that a lot of private initiatives were taking up. And that's also what we warned about because that was a risk because it was not good coordinated. It was unclear where people would be housed. A lot of people, of course, uh, had their own contacts, either their family members, either people they knew, either people very quickly uh, accepted offers, which of course increases risks. Uh, but of government slowly in the first month started to uh, started to adapt, started to offer. And in some countries, they're quite good examples that it's very well coordinated, even the use of private housing, because a lot of people are still in private housing. Which, of course, is uh, often an extraordinary gesture of uh, generosity, isn't it? That's what we've heard about, from the, about, particularly by the Polish people. Yes, indeed, by the Polish people, but also many other countries around it. This was actually the first time we saw it, because, of course, in Europe, there's many flows of refugees from many different conflicts and wars. But this time, it's quite remarkable that people were really welcoming Ukrainians in their houses, uh, trying to come to the borders, trying to collect. People were ordering buses and collecting large groups of people, moving them to other countries. Uh, so that was quite extraordinary. 
Well, I mean, the stories... I was alerted to this by a very moving article in the London Review of Books by a woman called Azadeh Moavani, who was reporting on the Polish border uh, called Women, Women on the Brink, and she had all sorts of stories um, that were really quite disturbing about um, people approaching... Women and men, I might add, um, approaching uh, young mothers and their children... Um, single girls on their own, a lot of unaccompanied children coming across. Uh, so, And, you know, with that real sense that already Ukrainian women were some of the most trafficked since the fall of the Soviet Union. So, I mean, this is all, this is something, this is a clear and present danger, isn't it? Or, or am I overstating it? We do not know exactly. The war is only three years, three months old, so we do not know exactly the situation, but it is true. We have received ourselves the first request for uh, assistance to potentially trafficked persons. Uh, so we know that there are some cases. We also know that the police, the law enforcement is investigating cases. There are some formal investigations, but also some informal investigations. We heard a lot, like the article you quoted, we heard a lot of those stories. We heard a lot of anecdotal information and the police is been trying, but also NGOs like ours, we are trying to verify uh, where are these women. Uh, luckily, of course, a lot of people are also alerted themselves, so they do check and they don't accept those offers. It's very difficult, of course, once persons are in an exploitative situation uh, to know where they are uh, to ensure that we see them and that they, have, that they are identified because very often, of course, the case only comes up uh, when they the exploitation already happened. Well, I mean, there were quite interesting first-hand accounts of people watching um, uh, uh, women sort of having people sidle up to them, exhausted women, women who didn't know where they were going to go and just sort of said, get into our car and we'll take you to a nice home. And I might add, as I said, there were, there were women in some of the, uh, I think a place called Lublin, uh, uh, an NGO called Homo Faber, was noticing that, and and other big places, um, bigger areas, bigger zones. So I mean, and also like little amazing things like um, allegedly the French Foreign Legion people turning up in fatigue, saying they were from the French Foreign Legion, concerned that these were could be their women being trafficked. You know, I mean, <laughs> it was ex hard to know quite what to make of it all. Yes, no, uh, actually we spoke ourselves because we did an assessment uh, 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 over the last two months or in March and April actually. So we did an assessment also looking into the risks ourselves and we visited Poland and we also spoke with Homo Faber. So you're completely correct. Uh, they heard those stories. They've seen this with their own eyes. They have reported this to the Polish police. We've also heard a lot of anecdotal information that people were indeed offered um, transport. The thing is, of course, that many people offer transport. So then, of course, uh, yeah, there are those cases among them. Of course, luckily, also a lot of the uh, offers were, were legitimate and, and, and without intention to exploit people. Since we saw in Germany a case that four women were brought into a brothel, three or four women were brought into a brothel without consenting to work in prostitution. Uh, we have heard already in Poland a, a rape case of a girl, a minor girl, 
who was hosted by a male person in the UK. A lot of people who wanted to host uh, people were in particular asking also for younger female Ukrainian women and the majority of them apparently who registered to be host were male persons. So there was quite a lot of attention also in the UK for that. Uh, Also in the Netherlands and in other countries, we have heard those stories and we know that those stories have been investigated. The problem with human trafficking and uh, yeah, if if we talk about exploitation, but especially if we talk about the severe forms of uh, exploitation like forced labor and human trafficking, it takes mm-hmm. quite some time to, to look into it, to investigate it. And also very often then it depends also on uh, a criminal court case. And I think five, uh, UNICEF says more than 500 unaccompanied children were identified crossing from Ukraine into Romania between the 24th of February and the 17th of March. Well, really, that's a terrible statistic, isn't it? I mean, obviously, they must need more protection. Yeah, what we saw is that a lot of children were unaccompanied. In the beginning, they did also not register it, so they... They registered if a person was a child or was an adult, but it was very difficult to register whether the child was traveling alone or who had the guardianship. You can imagine that a lot of children did not travel with their own parents also because they maybe very quickly had to leave. And also mm. if they were traveling with their, their fathers, for example, they were not allowed to cross the borders. So some children were also, let's say, pushed by the families over the borders where the family stayed behind. Parents, of course, tried to bring their children in safety. There were about thousand children in institutional care uh, in Ukraine already before the war. So many um, Ukrainian children were brought into safety and also that was quite organized. But we've heard from another network organization in Europe called Missing Children that at the moment there's still 2,000 children which are missing from Ukraine. So yes, of course, uh, this is uh, concerning. And just quickly before I move on to another angle of this, so they have to register. So when they come across, are they theoretically registered? Someone takes down details, do they? Yeah, but the thing is with with Europe, of course, we only have the outside borders. So when they cross the border between an AU country and a non-AU country, they are registered. But if they travel within Europe then it's much more difficult and it's difficult to trace them. But the European Union is now uh, uh, setting up a system to try to track more uh, movement of people and also where people registered now for the uh, European Mm. Temporary Protection Directive. Look, it's difficult to estimate the sexual, the levels of sexual violence that's taking place. I mean, this is a very, very interesting subject that will undoubtedly be, will know more in times to come. But there clearly are women arriving in Poland uh, in need of sexual health services, maybe in need of terminations from sexual assault from the rapes that are, are said to have taken place. And this is another aspect of this. How difficult are some of these uh, services to access in Poland, given the Polish government's recent crackdown? We, we definitely see there is a high need for for trauma care, but indeed also, as you said, for special care, especially with people who face sexual violence during the war. We have a member organization in Ukraine, La Strade Ukraine, and they run a national helpline on human trafficking, but also a national helpline on gender-based violence. And they received also reports of women being sexually assaulted, sex, violated sexually by Russian soldiers. And uh, that the, there were 16 reports uh, 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 reported to them, but we also know that many, uh, many other organizations, including Human Rights Watch and Amnesty and other organizations, received those testimonies and reports. I mean, there are now more women.
women and children, it would appear, returning to Ukraine, particularly around uh, Kiev and Kharkiv, um, than people fleeing. I wonder what that you think that says about their desperate, you know, their desperation, their le- and the level of assistance and safety being offered to them. I think a lot of people, first of all, it's of course men returning because they want to find and they are, uh, yeah, they want to be there. And a lot of Ukrainians were already before the war uh, outside. So many of them also return. People who were before the war uh, in Europe or abroad, they have no access to the uh, temporary protection directive. So some of them will, of course, also leave. Is that a lot, lot of people leave quite regularly. Some leave even every day. So they visit their house, let's say they go for the night in Poland and then they go the next day back to see if the house is there to to see if everyone is there of course people also had to leave people behind maybe elderly people other people so um, yeah because the the country is relatively close uh, you see that a lot of people are quite worried about the situation and therefore also return some people of course also still work in Ukraine uh, and maybe have to continue to work so that's also a reason I presume why people are crossing the border so extensively. All right, Suzanne Hoff, you have uh, your work cut out for you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Suzanne Hoff from La Strada International based in the Netherlands and Mark has uh, texted into me that the Ukraine males 18 to 60 can uh, leave Ukraine if they have three or more children. Um, so thank you for that, Mark. Yes, I, I, I have heard that but had forgotten that. So that's a story to follow. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.